Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Norse traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. A warning, this episode features some violent and sexual content, including suicide and abuse. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. We read once more from the Havamal, the ancient poem said to have been written by Odin himself. I know that I hung on a windy tree, nine long nights, wounded with a spear dedicated to Odin, myself to myself, on that tree of which no man knows from where its roots run. Odin's quest for wisdom led him to many strange places, into hell, through mountains, into conflict with dragons and giants. But strangest of all was his final destiny, hanging himself from the branches of the world tree itself, a suicide, but also a sacrifice. He hoped that he would gain wisdom, but it was just as his wife Frigg had feared. His actions meant the beginning of the end for Asgard. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're finishing the story of Odin's quest for wisdom. In these tales from the Norse poetic Edda, Odin appears as a wise old wanderer. He tricks bandits and giants and dispenses pithy homilies. But as many fans of Norse mythology know, this wisdom does not save him. The gods eventually meet their end when Ragnarok arrives. But perhaps this was the point all along. Odin's quest for wisdom, sacrificing his eye, reading the runes, hanging from the world tree, is a surprisingly sophisticated metaphor for the sacrifice wisdom requires. And ultimately, the lesson learned is that the truly wise know that for anything to have meaning, it eventually has to end. But first, Odin undertakes a heist. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Who can say how many eons it had taken Odin to get this far? Or perhaps it wasn't long at all, a few days? How long does it take to travel along the world tree, from Asgard to Helheim, Helheim to Midgard? After an unfortunate encounter with a dragon in Helheim, Odin found himself in Midgard, the land of men. It was full of not only men, but dwarves and giants. A mischievous woman named Tira took Odin to see Baugi, the giant that ran the town. He wanted to hire Odin for a job, stealing the blood of a god. The request surprised Odin. He had not expected these mortal beings to be involved with anything so divine. But he immediately knew exactly what, or rather whose, blood they were seeking. He turned to Baugi, the strange giant who was dressed as a human noble. Baugi was a rather unsettling fellow, even compared to the other giants Odin had known and slain. He had the usual craggy features, but also a cruel and cunning intelligence to match. His words were like slime slipping from his lips and suffocating all they touched. You seek Kvasir's blood? <laughs> well, well, Tira, you have brought me someone interesting. How do you know of Kvasir's blood? I've heard legends. The disappeared god. Who else could the blood belong to? What is your name, old man? Oh, uh, it's Bolverker. Hmm. Well, you are right, worker of misfortune. The god was slain, and now his blood is stored beneath a mountain, in a vault belonging to my brother. And how, might I ask, did he come into possession of such a treasure? Just know there's no backing out once you know what we plan. You help us see it through, or I see you through. What an overwrought threat. Rest assured, giant, that this treasure is of great interest to me. Hmm. We split the blood three ways, each taking a drink. Very well. Now, how did your brother come to acquire the blood of Kvasir? Well, he calls it the meat of poetry, for starters. Kvasir was lured to the home of two dwarves named Jalar and Galar. They were murderous in intent, slaying Kvasir through unknown means 
and draining his blood into a potion. It was a mead that would grant the drinker all of the wisdom and knowledge that Cavassier had possessed. But the brother's true passion was not knowledge. It was slaughter. They found the giant killing and drowned him in the ocean for a laugh. His wife watched from a nearby cottage and couldn't contain her sobs. The dwarf brothers found this irritating. They stalked across the beach to the cottage. Gilling's wife went to hide under the bed, but she couldn't contain her sobs. The dwarves banged on the door, but it was locked. So one stood on the shoulders of the other, and he crashed through the window. Gilling's wife let out a scream. The dwarf brother just gave her a sinister smile, then went to unlock the door and let his brother inside. Jalar and Galar slowly advanced toward the bed, full of murderous intent. But their wicked deeds would not go unpunished, for Gilling had a son, Sutung. He stumbled home to the cottage from a night of drinking and found the dwarves bathing in his mother's blood. Their eyes went wide at the sight of the enraged, drunken giant. Sutung surged forward, grabbing Jalar and snapping his neck in one swift movement. Then he advanced on Galar. The dwarf tried to beg for his life, but Sutung didn't even hear him. He brought his fists down again and again, reducing Galar to a bloody pulp. Sutung, now splattered in blood himself, looked around the room. As his rage subsided, he heard a small peep from a nearby wardrobe. Of course, how could he forget? His mother and father were not the only ones who lived at the cottage. He raced forward and opened the wardrobe, revealing none other than his traumatized younger brother, Baugi. The newly orphaned giants made their way to the nearby cottage of the dwarves, where they discovered the mead now fully brewed. Sutung took but a sip and immediately gained more knowledge than any others in the land. He bottled the drink, calling it the Mead of Poetry, and sought to hide it in the safest place he could. His wisdom led him to Hinibjor, an ancient mountain. He hired laborers to build him a vault, and in that vault he stored the mead and later his daughter Gunlord. She would guard the mead and be herself protected from any who would do her harm. Baugi stood as he finished the story. Odin watched as the giant crossed the room to tend to the fire. That is quite a tale. I'm sorry for the horrors that you had to witness as a boy. <laughs> Blame the Allfather. But your brother... Surely you do not wish to steal from him. He is the only family you have left. <laughs> what is family? Family dies, family leaves. All we have is ourselves and whatever we can take. And I aim to take my brother's prized possession. The only thing of use our parents left us. I can understand how you feel. I have a family and to be honest, I rarely feel close to them. But a wise man once told me that there is nothing worse than to be alone. I have no use for your wisdom, old man. I'm hiring you for your cleverness. Tira said you dispatched half the bandits in the tavern without lifting a finger. I, 
And what would you have me do? Tira and I can get ourselves into the vault, but I'm too old and she's too small to deal with its sole inhabitant, my niece, Gunload. She is as large and strong as any male giant. Her father has trained her all her life to protect the mead. You want me to kill her? I want you to deal with her in whatever way you deem fit. Odin considered the proposal. He knew this giant Baugi was wicked, but the wisdom of Kvasir could not be left to such a being. Odin knew the dead god. Kvasir had been his mentor. Many eons ago in ancient times, long before Thor or Loki, Odin and the Aesir were at war with the gods of Vanaheim, the Vanir. These other gods occupied a lower place in Yggdrasil, and the Aesir feared them. After near-constant warfare, both sides agreed to a truce. This pact was cemented when a council consisting of members from both groups spat into a basin. Like so many things in those days, the gods didn't know exactly why they had done it, just that it was the thing to do. Naturally, the spit in the basin morphed into a new form, Kvasir, the god of knowledge. Not that any of the gods knew what knowledge was at that point. He was born old, with tan skin, a long white mustache and beard, and fine robes of blue and white. All knew that Kvasir was the god you went to for advice. Even Odin sought out the spit god's counsel from time to time. Good Kvasir, I seek your advice on matters of the heart. Kvasir, ah, you seek the god of knowledge. He's not here. You have the wrong house. Go away. Kvasir, I know it's you. I created the world tree. I know where everyone lives. Bah, only 12,000 years old and you think you know everything. It's this alliance with Avanir. I've taken one of their own for my wife, but I do not love her. I grow restless and long to be with another. <sighs> Frigg is very fair. Why should you want someone else? She is so... banal. All court intrigue this, and my sons will be the most beautiful gods in all of creation that. And I suppose you want a woman who sits around talking to ravens about the universe all day. I mean... Perhaps. Huh! Odin! You are the All-Father, and yet you are as predictable as any of your creations. The mind alone knows what lies near the heart. He alone knows his spirit. No sickness is worse for the wise man than to have no one to love him. And that means... <sighs> it means that you'll never find the perfect woman, All-Father. Only you can know what's in your heart. But if you remain alone, then you'll regret it. Hmm. Can I... Can I ask you some more questions? <sighs> Fine. Come in. Odin spent much time in the Council of Kvasir. Though he was still shy of gaining true wisdom, he learned much about ruling and dealing with the other gods. In many ways, Kvasir was his mentor. 
And when Kvasir disappeared one day, none were sadder than Odin. He scoured the world tree for any sign of his old friend, remembering his boasting from when they first met. He'd said he knew where everyone lived, but he was unable to locate Kvasir. So now, eons later, when Tira told him they sought the blood of a god, Odin knew in his gut whose blood that must be. For any blood from the Aesir-Vanir war was stored in casks in Asgard. Kvasir's blood could be the only possible god blood that had escaped Odin's notice. And so, he turned to Baugi and agreed to help him. Very well. I'm in. Next, the heist begins. Hi, it's Vanessa from Parcast. They say there's someone for everyone, a soul to share your secrets with, a companion to grow old with, a conspirator to commit crimes with. Starting this February on Spotify, learn about the lethal and legendary lovers who fought the law in the ParCast limited series, Criminal Couples. If you've ever referred to your best friend or beloved as your partner in crime, this exclusive series is for you. Beginning February 1st, join me for a collection of unlawful love stories from shows across the ParCast network. Discover the extreme beliefs of cult leaders Tony and Susan Alamo, enter Fred and Rose West's real-life house of horrors, and experience the madness and motives of the San Francisco witch killers. Fall for the most famous and feared pairs in history in the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Enjoy two-part episodes every Monday starting February 1st. Follow Criminal Couples free and exclusively on Spotify. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now back to the story. Odin had traveled throughout the world tree in search of wisdom. Now he was in Midgard, meeting the criminal giant Baugi. Baugi wanted him to steal the mead of poetry, a potion made of a god's blood, said to bring wisdom to whoever drank from it. After Odin agreed to help with the heist, Baugi turned to the fireplace behind him. Odin was surprised as Baugi reached out to grab a candlestick, turning it 90 degrees. The whole fireplace shuddered. The hearth rumbled and slid to the side. As the fire was snuffed out, a new light emanated from a secret passageway that had been revealed. Baugi wordlessly motioned for him to follow. Odin nodded, unsure of what he would find. They walked for several minutes through winding, torch-lit passageways. It smelled of fresh-dug earth. Finally, the passageway opened, and a massive, glittering cavern was revealed. 
a waterfall flowed out into the center of the chamber. Along the walls, there was seemingly endless scaffolding and a hundred human workers chipping away, creating new tunnels. Do not worry, old man. I am paying them well. They are searching for the passageway to the vault. Months passed. The three thieves planned while the humans dug. Eventually, the tunnel reached the vault. It was time. Odin feared for the human workers now that Baugi was through with them. He assumed the giant might want to kill them to ensure that they spoke of this to no one. Humans! You have worked very hard for me these months. Let it never be said that Baugi does not reward those who serve. He had one of his giant servants begin to pass out small bags of gold to the cautious humans. But remember this, it is easy to be poor. Anyone can do it. Being rich, or at least having more money than your neighbors. You must learn how to do this. You are to stay here in the cave for the next day and night as we go about our quest. After that, you may leave. Do not make me regret this, because I never make the same mistake twice. Odin pondered this. The giant seemed to possess some of the wisdom he was seeking. He was strong, but fair in rule, aware that money and power bring as many problems as they solve. Odin remembered these things. Day turned into night, and Odin, Baugi, and Tira found themselves sitting at Baugi's fireplace, bracing themselves for the morning's heist. Tira, I've never asked. What is it that you want with the mead? What do you seek wisdom for? Who wouldn't want that wisdom of a god? You think that just because I'm a human woman, I can't have dreams? Everyone dreams, but to go to such lengths, something must drive you. <laughs> Careful, old man. You might bite off more than you could chew here. No, it's... I am being unfair to you, Bulwerker. You have been kind to me thus far. I should return the favor. I was born to one of the northern warlords. You know, island country. It was nothing but plotting and murder from as early as I can remember being shuttled from Mead Hall to Mead Hall, either for my own safety, as a prisoner, or as a bride, a peace offering. But it would never last. Husbands get sick and die, or they go and start new wars and get themselves killed. The last one, he... He was the most vicious of them all. He treated me as a possession. I was kept in shackles, abused. When this most recent husband was killed, I knew it would all just happen again. And so I left, went south and hoped to never return. You already possess much wisdom, I think. One can always have more. I want to know why. Why was it my lot to be born into such a life? And how I can help future girls avoid the same fate? Then I hope you find what you are looking for. Hmm. <laughs> you don't need more wisdom to know who to blame for your troubles. Just say the word, and I'll round up a party of my kin to travel south and slay them all. And hand my people over to giants? Might as well just drown them all. <laughs> you probably should. Odin and Tira couldn't help but smile. 
Odin had learned much from these two, but this would be his last night with them. For even if they succeeded, and even if they shared the mead without stabbing each other in the back, they would be transformed by its effects, and their destinies would lead them in unpredictable directions. They went to bed, anxious for the morning. All rose at dawn and made their way down into the caves. Baugi unfurled a map. It was time to get down to business. The passageway runs for about five miles. It would take me 20 minutes normally, but going at a puny human pace, we should be to the vault within a few hours. The wall is of course still intact. That's where I come in. All three undertook the dark and cramped walk through the tunnel. Upon arriving at the end, Baugi produced an auger, a giant's drill. Using his not insignificant strength, he pushed the tool against the wall of the vault and began to turn it. Tira is the most agile of us. My drill will make a hole just big enough for her to slip through. Once inside, she will find a way to let Bolverker in. Remember, Tira, do not attempt to steal the meat on your own. If Satung or Gunlode spot you, they will crush you in an instant. Of course. If anyone's getting turned to mush, I'd much rather it be Bolverker. Once he finished drilling, Baugi pulled the auger back, took a deep giant's breath, and blew into the hole. Rocks and debris tumbled out, clearing the way for Tira. <gasps> Tira gracefully lowered herself into the hole. She was able to use the grooves left behind by the auger to carefully lower herself little by little. But eventually, her feet met with empty space. She had no choice but to hold her breath and let herself drop into the darkness below. Luckily, her feet soon met the hard floor. She rolled and sprang up, finding herself in yet another tunnel. However, this one was more finished, with a tile floor and torches every few feet. Even more fortunate, there was no one around to impede her progress. They had figured that Su Tung wouldn't have any guards. He didn't trust them around the mead or his daughter. Tira nimbly made her way through the hall. She soon realized it went in a circle around a central chamber. This was surely where Gunlod was waiting with the mead. But there was also a passageway leading away from the main chamber, presumably to the front door. Tira headed this way, walking for what felt like an hour before she reached the end. She came to a large, ornate doorway, big enough for two giants to pass through. The massive lock was intimidatingly complex. Without a key, it would be impossible to undo, at least for someone outside the room. And Tira was on the inside. She went about undoing the various bolts and chains, and then, with considerable effort, she pulled open one half of the large doorway, just a crack. When Tira has opened the door, she will return to the drill hall and tell Bolverker to come around. Then I will run him out and around to the side of the mountain, to the secret entrance which Tira will have opened. 
As soon as he heard Tira's voice come from the hole, Baugi scooped up Odin and ran him back down the tunnel. In truth, Odin possessed many magics that could have made this all easier. He could have transformed into a snake and done Tira's job for her, but he felt that it was wisest to continue to conceal his true power and to see if his two companions performed their jobs honestly. Eventually, Baugi and Odin emerged back out into the mansion. But Baugi just kept going, bursting through the front door with Odin still in hand and beginning to tear through the forest. Soon they came to the edge of the woods, to the secret entrance in the side of the mountain. Baugi stopped before emerging from the tree line. I will stop here. If anyone sees me, they will know our plot. But you... They will think you are just another old man passing by. Odin nodded, smoothed out his robes, and righted his hat after being manhandled by Baugi. He effected his best old man walk and began to head in the direction of the secret entrance. The clearing seemed empty. Odin began to move more quickly toward the door, which he now saw was open a crack, as Tira had promised. He slipped inside without further delay. His vision adjusted, and he saw that the cavern was large enough for many giants and illuminated by enchanted torches. He wondered whether Sutung had been as kind to the builders as Baugi had been to his workers. Tira was waiting, hiding in the shadows. She nodded earnestly at Odin's approach. Quickly now, this way. Do you not want to run out to safety with Baugi? And leave you to steal the mead for yourself. There is only one exit I can take. If you wait in the woods with Baugi, you will see me leave. Or do you now want the giant to splatter you? <sighs> Very well. She departed through the crack in the door as he turned his sights toward the chamber of Gunlode. Now that he was alone, he transformed into an eagle and closed the distance. Once at the door to the chamber, he transformed back. This door was just as grand as the entrance, and as Odin pushed on it, he found that it was locked just as tightly as the front door must have been. Baugi's plan didn't account for this. But a locked door is nothing to a god, even one who is transformed into an old wanderer. He held his hand to the metal, whispered an incantation, and smiled as he heard sliding and clicking from within. A moment later, it opened. He took in the room beyond. It was a modest chamber, round with a sunken center. Along the walls, there was a bed, drawers, chests, and tables. Paintings and elaborate murals covered the wall, depicting skies full of stars and fields of flowers. The artist sat at the very center of the room. Many assume that because male giants are craggy and unpleasant, their females must be too. This is not the case. They're also quite tall, but are actually quite fair, more so than the other races even. Odin found this to be the case with Gunlod. 
However, though the physical beauty of female giants contrasts with that of their male counterparts, this is not true of their voices. Their voices are about what you would expect. Oi, tiny man, who are you? How you get in here? Oh, uh, um, fair Gunlod. It is my pleasure to make your acquaintance. I am Odin, king of the gods. Don't look like no king. Forgive me, this is my wandering body. Allow me to change into a more pleasing form. Odin the Wanderer briefly returned to the form of Odin the God King. His body was young and fit. His beard was gone and replaced with a sharp chin. His golden locks framed bright blue eyes. Oh, pretty man. Befitting a most pretty giantess. I won't lie to you, Gunlod. I am here for your father's mead. Perhaps we can come to an... Arrangement? I never give fathers me to you. He tell me to protect it from all. Of course he did. Are you the artist? He pointed up to the murals. Yes. Why you ask? They're quite splendid. They speak to a woman with both great inner and outer beauty. One who shouldn't be kept in the dark. Under a mountain. Father, he trust me. Clearly. But do you really wish to spend your whole life in service to your father? Never knowing the kinship of another? As a wise man once told me, the worst thing is to be alone. The giantess considered this. Odin figured he was getting through to her, but he had no idea just how much this was the case. Suddenly, she burst into tears and ran into his arms. Oh, pretty man. It's so horrible in here. I want to go to festivals, see lights, see dancing. But father, he never let me leave. If only I could take a few days, see friends, see... Males? Oh, but Gunlod, I am a male, and I am right here. For three days and three nights, Odin and the giantess made wild, raucous love. They pleased each other in ways previously unknown to the cosmos. Outside in the woods, Baugi and Tira had made camp, taking turns watching for any sign of Odin. On the third day, just when they were about to give him up for dead, they saw an eagle overhead. In its talons was clutched a golden, glistening cask of mead. As the eagle flew overhead, it sunk its talons into the cask. Exactly two drops fell from the heavens, one each landing on Tira's and Baugi's tongues. They smiled with a sudden understanding. They did not feel swindled, for even a drop of the mead was enough to grant them far more wisdom than other mortals. Then the eagle turned skyward, back toward the cosmos and the summit of Yggdrasil. 
Next, Odin's quest for wisdom comes to an end. Now back to the story. After what felt like years of traveling the world tree, searching for wisdom, Odin had finally found it, or at least he thought he had. The mead of poetry was supposedly made from the blood of his old mentor, Kvasir. With it in his possession, Odin would be the wisest being in existence. As he flew above the world tree, still in eagle form, he sank his talons into the casket. The magical container strained and creaked, shimmering with light. Finally, with one cosmic flourish, the container exploded and its contents bathed Odin in resplendent light. However, he was not transformed, but rather transported. Odin returned to his god form, found himself at a familiar and yet unfamiliar location. It was the well of Erd where he had begun his journey, and yet it had changed. Rather than being nestled in the roots of the world tree, it was suspended in its branches. Rather than glowing green, it reflected the gold and white of nearby clouds. As Odin stepped forward, confused, he heard a familiar voice. It was coming from a head placed on nearby rocks. The head of his old mentor, Kvasir. Kvasir? But how? My old name. It has been too long since I heard it. It is good to see you. How is it that you live? We are all living, dying, dead, yet to be born. You sound like one of the Norns. They are fate. I am wisdom. You? So it was you I sought all along. You see me as your old mentor, but that is but one aspect. In other worlds, in other versions of your story, I am not Kvasir, but Mimir, and still to others I am something else entirely. So what became of the god I knew? He is gone, and yet always with you. I will try to understand. Drinking the mead, it doesn't seem to have left me feeling any different, doesn't seem to have made me any wiser. The mead was simply a means to get you here to prove your worth. Here? But this is the Well of Erd. Though it does look different, I am back where I started. As is above, so is below. The Zenith and Nadir, Muspelheim and Niflheim. To understand both, you must first realize they are one. You must give of yourself and read the runes in the well. And how am I to do that? One with wisdom will know. Please explain. I am rather disoriented. But the head had gone silent. The light in its eyes and the color in its cheeks faded to stone. It would speak no more. Odin looked back out onto the well and the cosmos beyond. The very top branches of the world tree curved out and over the well. He had never seen them before, never been up this high. No other god had ever thought to see what was above Asgard. 
they were content to revel there for eternity, Odin found his mind wandering back to his last conversation with his wife, Frigg. She had warned him that such a quest might lead to their ruin, to the death of the gods. She was afraid, and to truly gain wisdom, he had to be fearless. He thought of his journey, how he had faced the unknown in hell, how he had thwarted the human barbarians by using their own greed, how Baugi and Tira had shown him that a giant or human could be as complex as any god. If anything, their struggles made them more complex. He saw now that these were all different lessons and the same lesson. Wisdom was many things, but most of all, it was experience to have lived. And one could not say they had lived if eventually they did not die. Very well, Kavasir. Here I come. He began to climb the world tree, shedding his old cloak, now naked in his god form. He would sacrifice himself to himself, one last ascent. The coarse branches dug into his hands and feet. His skin broke, his godly blood dripping into the well below. But he did not stop. He kept climbing, taking step after step, grabbing branch after branch. Then he arrived at the very top branch of the world tree. Below were the branches he had climbed, the well and all of creation. It was time. Odin let go and fell. Odin tumbled through space, falling, falling, until... He crashed onto an outstretched branch. The mystical wood speared through his chest, impaling him in an instant and stopping his fall short. Odin gasped in shock. The pain was unimaginable. Blood flowed down his chest, trickling down his arms and legs like rivers. His eyelids began to droop. His body went limp. Just before everything went dark, Odin's gaze fell on the well below. His vision blurred. Three shapes were rising from the water. It was the sisters, the Norns. They rose from the water, silent, their liquid forms twisted into shapes, forming symbols, runes. In this state, and only in this state, Odin could see what they meant. There was the word Ig. Somehow he innately understood it. It meant terrifier, the name the Norns had called him. It meant Odin. The second word was Drossil. He now understood this meant mount, steed, horse. Yggdrasil, the name of the world tree, it meant Odin's mount. His vision expanded further. He felt a rush of understanding as his body slipped forward from the tree branch and hurtled into the well below. All was black, all was silent, and then he heard a voice. Very good, Terrifier. Now you see. 
You are more than just a god. You are the world itself. And yet, I still, I still must take shape. As you have infinite times before. And will infinite times again. Not a journey. But a cycle. No escape. Now, now. That is a rather negative way of looking at it. And it's not necessarily true. There may come a time. A time when you are ready to be free. But it's certainly not now. <laughs> I can see it all. Ragnarok, it's coming. Frigg was right. It cannot be avoided. It is fate. All you can do is make the best of the time you have. Yes. Yes. I must return. Yes. Return to Asgard. Live out the remaining stories. No. I mean, yes, perhaps one day. But first, first, I would continue to wander. Hmm. Perhaps he has learned more this time around than we thought. Very well, Terrifier. We watch with interest, as always. Odin's vision again filled with white. He saw the images of the three sisters one last time as he was hurled back down the world tree. The hole in his chest was gone. As he fell, he saw the portal to Midgard below. He felt his features aging. His chin tickled as a beard sprouted once more. His cloak grew back around him, and his staff materialized in his hand. Just as he fell into the portal, he reached up and placed his hat back on his head. Odin's quest for wisdom contrasts sharply with his behavior in other Norse myths. His decisions to chain Loki and his children out of fear directly led to Ragnarok, the apocalyptic battle that ends the Norse gods and the world. But the poetic Edda tells us that this is actually not the end. The world is reborn, and some of the young, surviving Aesir find the golden game pieces that their ancestors played with. They begin the game again, looking forward to another, better world. It's a sophisticated idea for a story first written down in the so-called Dark Ages. It suggests that the more things change, the more they stay the same. True wisdom is perhaps accepting this and playing your part to the fullest. Maybe reality is just an endlessly repeating loop, or perhaps it changes ever so slightly each time, for better or for worse. Perhaps one day the cycle will be broken. Until then, all we can do is wander, growing from our experiences and never ceasing in our quest for wisdom. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. 
If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. See you next week for another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Greg Castro, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Eddie Lee, and Joe Hernandez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, it's Vanessa again. Before you go, don't forget to check out the new ParCast limited series, Criminal Couples. From apocalyptic cult leaders to bank-robbing bandits to married mafiosos, these couples give new meaning to Till Death Do Us Part. Enjoy two-part episodes every Monday starting February 1st. Follow Criminal Couples free and exclusively on Spotify.